Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Gabe Jenkins. I'm the men's pastor at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. And I think you're going to enjoy today's conversations with Ed Reagan. Ed is the owner of the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, which is a professional soccer team. And so you're going to hear some of the, the backstory of, of how Ed became the owner of a soccer franchise when he was not a soccer guy. Before Ed owned the Switchbacks, he actually started an engineering firm when he was in his 20s, and the firm took off. It, it exploded, and it became one of the largest engineering firms in North America. And right at the height of that, he really believed God was asking him to do something that was a surprise to many. So you'll hear some of that story, and it leads us into a conversation about learning to recognize the voice of the Spirit, the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Ed also shares about the tragic passing of his son, and he shares advice to young up-and-coming leaders who find themselves with a growing level of influence. And so it's a wide-ranging interview, but I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ed Reagan. Well, we have the joy and the honor of having Ed Reagan with us on the podcast today. I've really enjoyed getting to know Ed over the last few years. He's been uh, really involved with us here at New Life Men, speaking at different men's gatherings and helping us lead in, in different capacities. And I've, I've found Ed to be a deep well of wisdom. He's a man of faith. He's seasoned. He's experienced. Uh, he's a really good leader. And so we're honored to have you today, Ed. Thank you for being with us. Good to be here, Gabe. There's so much I could say about you just by way of introduction. You're, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a grandfather. Those are roles you take seriously. Mm-hmm. But you've also been a very uh, successful businessman. And so uh, as we start, can you just give us a 30,000-foot overview of just your, your business career, your journey in that capacity? Yeah, I think like most men start starting out, you know, you really start out with the idea of providing for your family, mm-hmm. uh, having some kind of a predictable career that uh, you don't have to worry about your job, and you have enough money to send your kids to college. I mean, kind of fundamental. And as your career kind of grows, you see opportunities, and you take those, and you see if they fit, and they see if they kind of um, work with your overall strategy. And and that's where faith comes in, because, you know, at each kind of crossroads, you're kind of, you know, kind of... Um, you're, you're, you have to submit to a, a system that you really don't know the outcome, you know. And as Christians, you constantly live in this world of yeah. a, you're, you're on a journey. And it, it really is a, an exciting journey. And I had godly moms and, da- moms and dad and a big family and a wonderful wife. And, and you know, I've, always, I've awesome, often asked God, you know, you know why me? Because... Uh, we've been blessed beyond any reasonable measure. And and what I get back is, you know, you have a lot of people praying for you. Mm-hmm. You know, a mom and dad, mm-hmm. and you have brothers, and you have your wonderful wife and kids. And and um, and the company just grew over time. I, I worked really hard like most people do. And about 40, 41 years old, the company, ME Engineers, was a mechanical electrical consulting practice. And we worked for architects to build buildings. In fact, I think several buildings in Colorado Springs were engineered by ME engineers. Mm-hmm. We're based in Golden, Colorado, and we grew. And we felt we needed to get beyond, you know, Denver and Colorado Springs, and we still have an office here. So there's opportunities in California and London and New York, and they all have lots of backstories in terms of, you know, do we do this, do we do that? Um, but over the years, those things just kind of occurred uh, through a lot of different stories of relationships and um, 
I wrote articles. We became kind of experts in stadium construction. And that was kind of an exciting building yeah, time, yeah. you know, because you got to hang out with owners. You got to hang out with players, like, you know, behind the batting cage before a game at the New York New, New, New York Met Stadium and, you know, with the owner. You know, and it's kind of fun. So there's a lot of fun aspects to it. Um, but at the same time, you really had to find a way to to bring something different, something something special in terms mm-hmm. of skill. Um, and that's where I think God really kind of opened doors for me. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, I was talking to my wife this morning, and she said, at 30,000 feet, you can, you can see rivers. You can see things that others can't see. Yeah. And I think that's a real true statement mm-hmm. in life as well. I think God wants us to prosper, and he wants us to see things that others don't see. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I was able to see in the industry of sports was digital content sitting with network guys and broadcast guys and looking through the lens of their value in terms of what they put on. They tell stories like everybody else. And how do we improve that storytelling? And I wrote some articles, and I got to be quite famous in that industry. Um, And for the last 10 years of my career, I traveled the world and worked a lot with the Olympic guys, worked a lot with the World Cup guys, all the, you know, NFL, uh, um, Major League Baseball, Mm -hmm. uh, NFL, um, NHL, I got to know all the directors and people that were kind of vice president levels in terms of production of their events. Um, and so I was able to add to the industry in a way that I think it kind of moved the industry forward a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, and it's a wonderful thing because, you know, the company grew. The company was, I think, fifth or sixth, the largest mechanical electrical engineering practice in North America. Yeah, wow. Which is, wow. which is huge. And we had 300 professional engineers worldwide. Um, so, you know, it was fun to be a part of a kind of a big group and to be kind of, um, I was the president and the chairman. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, as it, as it kind of progressed along, you realize that it was really, con- it was a consuming thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nature of that kind of business um, just required a lot of, you know, you get up in, you know, Moscow after four days and you've got to go spend five days in Rio in Brazil and then five days back in New York and then you go home. Yeah, my goodness, you, you do that, on you. You do that a few times. You go, you know, this isn't fun anymore, <laughs> you know, but you, your opinion's important mm-hmm. and you're, you worked all your life for having that ability to have an mm-hmm. opinion that's important. So, so how old were you? When you started Emmy Engineers, how old were you? 27 years so old. So you started it not really knowing what would happen. Right. It starts working, right? It starts exploding. And I know from listening to your story, you had a moment where you sensed the Holy Spirit asking you to let it go. Can you, can you tell us that story? Yeah, you, you, you can see stress in the family. And when I would come home after being gone, my wife had been with the kids. We have six kids, big family. They're going everywhere. Um, great kids, uh, but uh, we'd get up on a Saturday morning, and there's like four events, and we'd have to pick one. And I was losing out on a lot of things at home. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, God was whispering in my heart that, you know, this is, okay, this is, this is good, but, but there's something better for you. And to don't hold on to things tightly. Mm-hmm. And I tried to live by that, you know, as it relates to certain, you know, business types or business relationships. Don't hold on to things tightly because life can be kind of temporal. Yeah. Um, and he said, let it go. He said, just let it go. I've got something better for you. Um, and when you're at that kind of role, uh, I was making an enormous amounts of money. Something better 
you know, that's a that's a stretch under anybody's kind of evaluation. But but I let it go, and then towards um, and I reported back to the board that I wanted to retire. I wanted to sell my stock. Um, I was asked by Major League Soccer to come to New York and spend some time with the uh, the league reps because they were doing a number of new stadiums. And they said, we need some help with the same things you've done with these other sporting franchises. And by the way, we have this new league starting up in Tampa, and it's a um, kind of a sister league. It's called USL Championship League. And it'd be great if you could buy a franchise and be an owner. And at the time, I, I never dreamed of that or even had that as a notion. Um, I've certainly have been around a lot of stadiums, a lot of owners. Uh, I thought this was for a certain breed of people and business person, but... Um, over a fairly short period of time, I, I spent time with uh, Nick. In fact, Nick goes to church at New Life mm-hmm. downtown. And we went down to Tampa, met with the different, you know, organizations that are this, they, they own this league. And, and um, you know, they, they ask us, you know, specifically, are, you know, are you guys soccer guys? <laughs> and the fact is we, we, we weren't. I never played soccer, but we were sports guys. Yeah. We were business guys. And they said, we really kind of need that almost more so than if you're soccer. It's more than a hobby, a hobby for very wealthy people. Um, so uh, through a process, we were able to buy a franchise, and this year is our eighth season, um, our third season downtown. Um, you know, sports is a difficult business, mm-hmm. and I know people see a lot of people in the stadium, and you win a big game, and you think, by nature, this is, this is a real win-win for yeah, everybody. Yeah. But the nature of sports isn't that way. Uh, one of my dear friends is John Coors, and uh, we went to church together in Golden, Colorado mm-hmm. for years, and he brought the Rockies to mm-hmm. uh, Colorado, if, if you recall back. And, you know, and John made it a point, because I said, hey, John, I'm thinking about this, what do you think? And he said, you know, you're going to lose a lot of money, for one, but when you get out, maybe, you know, you can recover it. And, and he sold the Rockies after about five years, if, if again, and he kept his name on the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is they sold every ticket to every game, home game, for the first three or four years. Yeah. And they said they couldn't make it work. Yeah, wow. Wow. So just as a perspective, it's a tough business. Yeah. And, so and you got to really be focused. That's, that's a wild story. That is a 30,000-foot view. There's a lot you could probably go into about that. But the Colorado Spring Switchbacks is, is the name of the team. And, uh, and so you are very instrumental in the process of – um, really having this, the downtown stadium mm-hmm. become reality, Widener mm-hmm. Field. I mean, what a beautiful facility mm-hmm. that is. But uh, I want to drill down on, on some of the, your story in just a moment, but tell us about what, what was that process like? So you bought the franchise, the switchbacks, and then there, there was a need for a new stadium. How, where did, how did you navigate that process? Yeah, the City for Champions was a program initiated by Mayor Bach. I want to say seven or eight years ago. Um, and it was for the museum, a visitor center for the Air Force Academy, the Hibble Sports Center, and then this kind of Olympic intended stadium arena combination downtown. And the reality of it is that business model did, really didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the other projects were underway. And uh, we really met with CC Hockey with the idea that they wanted an on-campus arena, which was part of that kind of piece of that last that last hunk and we needed a stadium downtown and there was a lot of opposition to that um you know the, the you know mayor, mayor southers wonderful man uh he really wanted a baseball park 
you know, so over time, uh, with the problems with the baseball team leaving, and there was just some issues of, of they weren't interested in being a part of the downtown city, they came to us, and I actually went to the state and actually presented our franchise as the home franchise, because without a franchise, these stadiums don't, don't work all mm-hmm. that well. So over time, it, it got to be so that that really became the desirable project to go forward. And to think that I, I drove all that, it's probably a little mis, misperception because uh, Nick Reagan, uh, that's current president of the franchise, really went to the city council and really argued the points for the stadium downtown, for, for uh, the switchbacks. And then along that time, Widener, Dean Widener, if you haven't heard a story, it's a wonderful story, wonderful man. He grew up in Colorado Springs, a billionaire, and he wanted to gift the city some things along with building apartment buildings. And he's a businessman, and I think they own 18 properties in Colorado. So he came alongside of us um, and brought a lot of dollars along with the state dollars and along with the franchise and really served as the foundation mm-hmm. for the downtown state. Yeah. Without him... The stadium wouldn't be as, as as cool as it is, and 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 I obviously have a lot of relationships with architects in the sports industry, and our goal was to bring some of the big stadium ideas and scale it down to a smaller type venue, um, and I think we were able to accomplish that. Yeah, our, yeah. Our, our elevated concourse, our heads-up displays, our uh, truck dock that you can pull an 18-wheel wheeler onto the mm-hmm. field for a concert. I mean, all these are elements that you find in bigger stadiums. Yeah, yeah great job. It turned, it turned out really nice. We get a lot of compliments. In fact, this summer, all the owners from all over the country are coming to Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons is they want to take a look at this. It's really viewed in the stadium world as kind of a very uh, intimate, mm-hmm. kind of a low-cost approach to stadiums in, in America because most stadiums – I mean, even modest stadiums, uh, the one in Louisville, the new one in St. Louis, you know, they're $100 million, $150 million. And I think our, our stadium all in is about $50 million. Yeah. So. Well, can we, can we go back to what you were talking about in terms of – so you were leading ME engineers. Again, it's working. Very successful. And then all of a sudden you get this sense from the Holy Spirit that he wants you to let it go because he has something better for you. And you had no idea that – that part of that included the switchbacks. But uh, talk to us, Ed, about just the process of discernment. Like, how have you grown in discernment over the years where you've been able to recognize, oh, this this could be what the Holy Spirit is wanting me to do? Yeah, people that meditate understand what I'm saying. Those that don't probably struggle. Um, I know the world does because they don't understand this whole thing of hearing from God. And, And it's not a... It's not certainly a science. It's a, it's a commitment and time. And as you enter into these relationships with your Heavenly Father, and you start reading and as spending time with Him, uh, that's when these kind of things kind of occur. And you hear these voices. And it's not writing on the wall. It's sometimes you're not even for sure, but yourself trying to convince yourself yeah. of something. But you get a comfort level. You, you know, you get... You know, you, you feel like this makes sense. I can trust these people. Um, this kind of, you know, fits. Obviously, there's risk, and you always got to evaluate your risk from a business perspective. But you get comfortable. And we, you know, when, when we went and met with the league and we talked about uh, franchise for Colorado Springs, we looked at Grand Junction. We looked at Fort Collins. 
But we felt this was the right place to come, mm-hmm. you know, um, because of the City for Champions program and a kind of an, a rough stadium mm-hmm. that existed out in the county by the baseball park. Um, we felt this. We felt comfortable. This was the place God wanted us to come. Mm-hmm. And so we've all moved here, you know, over the last seven or eight years. Uh, we have um, three of our family members. It, it's a family business. Nick's the president. James is the vice president. Rachel's our apparel manager, and we have four other directors, and we have about 25 year-round full-time employees, and then we contract with players and coaches, and there's another 20 to 30 type coaches and players that are under contract. But meditating on the Word, meditating on the Scriptures over time, really, it trained your, your ears to discern, oh, that's the voice of the Spirit. That, there he is. Well, how do you know it's him? Well, because I've spent so much time meditating on the Scriptures for decades, you know, and, and you start having scriptures that just come to mind. Yeah. You know, the joy of the Lord's my strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, it talks about, you know, God it hasn't given us a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but power, love, and sound mind. And you kind of repeat these, and you live by these, and certain things become comfortable. And then certain things become, you just know it's kind of odd. This isn't a good fit. Yeah. Uh, there's a problem here. And you don't know what the issue is, but at the same time, you tend to stay away from those kinds of things that could be kind of corrupting, you know, the, 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 the thought process and the whole uh, idea of, of a franchise or a business model. Um, you know, the city is, is, is it's really, I mean, there's a lot of godly men in our city, Colorado Springs, and, uh, you know, we, we're burdened to pray for them because they have a lot of pushing and pulling and tugging, and, and, and they're constantly under pressure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of them, yeah, I got to know a lot of them just because of the nature of the downtown project. But at the same time, you can tell that they're, they're constantly being pushed. Mm-hmm. And, they're const- and, and, and they don't like, they know what to do, but they have to live in a world where they've got to deal with a lot of very, very difficult issues. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think of Psalm 1 when I listen to you, Ed, it's that picture of the person who meditates on the Scripture day and night is like a tree planted by streams of water, that whatever they do prospers. And, you know, I think of you in a way because that's been so much of your life. You have committed yourself to meditating on the Scriptures, being a man of the Word, spending time soaking your heart and your mind in the Scriptures. And it's taught you to discern how the Spirit leads you, but also there's been good fruit there as well in your life. And so yet you have experienced tremendous success in your life, but I also know from listening to your story and getting to know you, you you and your family have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. You've experienced tragedy. You've experienced tremendous pain. And so would you be willing to share how losing your son and just how that tragedy has really shaped you? Even uh, this Friday will be two years. Mm. Um, And even after two years, the hole in your heart really never goes away. Um, and our hope, like um, all parents that lose siblings, is that we get to be re, re, reunited yeah, in heaven. Yeah. Um, so there's certainly a hope. Um, but, you know, and, and my, my advice, you know, kiss your kids every day. You know, really take care of your wife. Um, really nurture your family. People put work first and then kind of life second, and that should be reversed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you'll find peace in that process. Yeah. Um, Sean was a brilliant kid. He was a doctor. I mean, how went to medical school, uh, has three kids. Um, being a grandfather is wonderful. I've got 16 grandkids. Wow. 
But now I'm not only a grandfather, but I'm kind of a pseudo dad for three kids in St. Louis that I love dearly. Uh, one's graduating from college in four weeks, mm-hmm. you know, so um, they're great kids. Um, and so, you know, it's my, my wife and I will walk around the house and see something that will remind us of Shine, and we'll still cry to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an emotional um, experience. It's certainly, um, you know, you, you, nobody wants to have somebody go through this. It's, um, but at the same time, um, you know, Sean was a, he was a good guy. And towards the end of his, um, his life, as a doctor, he got connected with some people that he should have known better than, than spending time with. And these are other doctors. Um, and he died tragically um, in a way that, you know, it just shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Making mistakes are still out there for all of us. Mm-hmm. And if you don't stay, I think, in church and make that a commitment in your life, you stay connected to a godly group like a home group or a business group, you can just get kind of pulled away. And, and I think that's what happened to Sean. He got pulled away. Um, obviously, doctors are high net income earners. Um, he's got, you got a lot going for you. At, this, at the same time, you've got a lot of responsibilities. And people, instead of finding out in their relationships or fellowships in church, they find him in other places. Mm-hmm. And he just made some, he just made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I constantly ask myself, could I have done something more? Could I have been more involved? Um, and there's not a day that goes by I don't think of Sean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it'll always be, a, 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 like I said, a, a part of my heart that's kind of, that's kind of, there's a big hole in it, and it'll forever be there. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that. I can just see just the tenderness in your eyes. Uh, you said it's two years, so it's, it still is fresh, mm-hmm. and you're talking about that hole never going away. And, and you were you were just exhorting the, the guys listening to put family first. And we know that, but but what you're saying is, no, really, really put family first. And the last question I'd, I'd like to ask you is, what would you say to the maybe the younger men who have a growing influence, they have a growing level of success? And so maybe if you would kind of rewind 30 years, what would you have loved in Ed Reagan to come alongside and say to you? What, what do you realize now in your 60s that you wish you maybe would have realized when you were in that place, hey, this is starting to work? Well, yeah, that's a lo- kind of a longer story in the sense of, uh, of my life. And, and, you know, I genuinely feel, and I only realized this a few years ago, you know, I grew up in a church where a lot of hellfire and brimstone. And the, the grace part of the message wasn't really the main part of the message. And, and my DNA always protected me from a lot of the normal, like drinking. And I, I just never... To this day, I don't like the taste of beer, you know. Um, you know, and that, so therefore, certain things in my life were just always kind of correct mm-hmm. because I saw the value. My parents, I mean, they never went to a movie theater. They never did anything because my dad was on a church board, and he would always say, well, if somebody were to see me, my, my witness would be compromised. I said, even going to a Disney movie? Yeah. So there's part of that that was kind of built into my life as it relates to to stay away from certain things. Um, and that's a good thing. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that kind of, you know, growing up kind of culture. And the whole idea of grace. 
you know, God wants, especially godly men, he wants to give you insight that nobody else has, and he wants you to prosper. I think that's in God's heart. And I think if we can, if we can understand that he will give you a different view of, your, of whatever business you're in, that will allow you to see things that others don't see. And that was my story in the sense of I was able to see things that others didn't see. Mm -hmm. And I live in an industry of engineering. I mean, these are some of the best engineering minds in North America. They're all, I mean, they can do calculus in their head. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. We had a guy that retired and went back to his former college and taught differential equations. I mean, I barely made it through the class. (laughs) He's 75 years old teaching. I mean, they're really smart people. And everybody's looking for the same kind of angle. You know, what can set me apart that gives me something that others don't have? Mm -hmm. And I could see things that he couldn't see. And actually, it became kind of almost intuitive when you actually start asking people, what can I do to better serve you? What can I do to make this better? What can I, the company do to have better insight that allows your job to be, to be more, more useful and more beneficial. And I would sit down with network executives. I'd say, you know, what, what can we do? And they say, Ed, this is the things that we need to be thinking about. And so I'd take that on board, try to find solutions, write articles, uh, and in the process become extremely unique in our industry. Um, and I think that's available to everybody yeah. that's in business. You know, seek and you'll find. And I think as a part of that, as a part of that, God will open your eyes to things that you normally don't see. And uh, that's been a big part of what I think God has allowed me to have in my career and my life is, is vision. Uh, having, you know, bringing the franchise to Colorado Springs, and I've ran my business model by lots of, not lots, but a few people I have a lot of respect from a business perspective. And they've all said the same thing. This is an awful business. <laughs> you know, nobody in their right mind would have done what you've done. But now with the stadium downtown and now with the city behind it, now it's turning to be a, a, a productive activity. And it's really changed Colorado Springs. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's an awesome thing to be at, at my age and to see after seven or eight years of really fighting through a system that makes really very little business sense, um, that it's, it's, it's now coming to an age where it's a part of the city. It's yeah, part of yeah, the fabric yeah. of the city. And, and it's, I get delighted. I like to win as much as anybody. Um, but I also like to be a part of, you know, 8,000 people whooping it up, yeah. you know, during we're playing Sacramento or whatever. And we all know these owners, and they all know us. And so it's very competitive yeah, at a different yeah. level. And, and when we get beat, you know, you kind of mourn for a few days. But when you win, it's really a buzz. Yeah. And so I can see that in the eyes of people. And I'm forever walking around talking to people. And they ask me a lot of the same questions, you know, um, you know, why? I mean, why Colorado Springs? And, and there's probably no real good answer to that other than it was just kind of this, this kind of following, following the leading of the mm-hmm. Lord. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I don't know. Um, and the cool thing is, is that, you know, there's a lot of future out there yet to come. Um, and that's what's exciting about being a Christian. You don't know. You're on like a roller coaster not all the time, but at times, and you don't know about the next turn. Yeah. And we don't know where the next turn's going to come. And um, so it's, it's exciting. It's uh, challenging. Um, I'm personally, I'm 70 years old, and I'm really kind of pulling back as it relates to my time. And like I said, it's a family business, and it's in great hands. 
And our partner, Dean Widener, is a wonderful businessman. He's a godly man. Uh, he lives in Seattle. And if you ever hear a story, you gotta, he's a, it's a wonderful story because he's a like multi-billionaire. Um, and, and, and he's still very much actively involved mm-hmm. in detailed discussions. Mm-hmm. And it's really wonderful to be around him because you see his mind working a lot in the same way as, as mine. He's a visionary. He's seeing where things should occur, and he's at 30,000 feet, yeah. and he's seeing how this should work together. Yeah. And everybody else is working down on the ground yeah. trying to figure it out. And I think there's a, there's a real benefit to your faith because you get that view at times. Yeah. It's not always, but at times, that's a, it's a wonderful thing. I like what you're saying. Here you are at 70, and there's still some anticipation in your heart of what is, what's God going to do next? I know. So you're, you're living on your toes. And I hope I can say the same thing at 70. You're modeling this for us younger men to, no matter what season of life, if you're, if you're in the fourth quarter, uh, keep leaning forward. Stay yes. on your toes because God is still moving and shaking, and he has, he's got more for you. I love how you're modeling that. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a chance to meet a number of men that are my age, and it's fun to see them as well still on the journey. Mm-hmm. They're not saying, hey, I'm, you know, going to go to Hawaii and play golf every day. That's not their... I can't even comprehend that mm-hmm. thought process, mm-hmm. but it's a common thought process yeah. for wealthy people. Um, you know, people want to want to be involved. They want to be helping. They want to be involved in you know people that need help. Um, and I, I hope I you know that continues till the day I die. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in doing anything other than being a part of the church, being yeah. a part of the franchise, being a part of our city, um, praying for our leaders, praying for those that are in charge. I'm not going to be you know, out leading necessarily, you know, because that's not my role anymore. I think my, I view myself as more of a, like a cheerleader, mm-hmm. somebody that's coming along beside yeah. everybody else yep. and encouraging them forward. Yep, you're a sage. And in fact, you are going to be on our sages panel uh, May 11th. So we have a, a monthly gathering for business leaders. You know, these are men who uh, they want to integrate faith and work. They want to approach work from a kingdom perspective. And so uh, May 11th, we're going to have a breakfast from 7 to 8 a.m., and we're going to have a sages panel. We're going to have three men. You're going to be one of them, but two other guys, Tim Larson and Steve Prinsner. These are guys that have logged a lot of leadership miles, and we're just going to be asking you questions like this. We're going to be learning from you, and so I want to encourage the guys uh, you're invited to come and be a part of that. It's Thursday, May 11th from 7 to 8 a.m., and you can register at newlifechurch.org. But, Ed, thanks for what you're doing in our city to make our city better, and thank mm-hmm. you for just your generous investment here at, at New Life, and especially with the men, the way that you're investing into the, the men of the church. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, Gabe. Always a pleasure.